Hello folks, welcome back to the Whoop Podcast, where we sit down with the best of the best. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of Whoop, and we're on a mission to unlock human performance. On this week's episode, Whoop VP of Performance Science, our principal scientist, Kristen Holmes, is joined by WNBA star Lexi Hull. Before Lexi was selected sixth overall in the WNBA draft by her Indiana Fever, She was a collegiate standout and a 2021 national champion at Stanford. During her collegiate career, she was a three-time All-Pac-12 selection, a two-time Pac-12 All-Defensive Team recipient, and a two-time NCAA Tournament Regional All-Tournament Team honoree. She's represented USA Basketball at the international level as well as when she was selected for both the 2022 FIBA and the 2022 AmeriCup teams. Most recently, Lexi was named Defensive Player of the Year for Athletes Unlimited. Kristen and Lexi will discuss Lexi's collegiate career at Stanford. She talks about winning the national championship and some of the biggest differences between being a student athlete and a professional athlete. Lexi's commitment to sleep and recovery. They get into her bedtime routine, naps, a bunch of things related to optimizing your bedroom. How Lexi manages her mental health her game day routine and nutritional habits, how she uses WHOOP to train and track her menstrual cycle, and the current landscape of women's sports. Quick product plug, the new dad jeans, Super Knit, brings together two icons, dads and denim. It makes a great Father's Day gift. Scoop it up for yourself. That's at shop.whoop.com. If you're new to WHOOP, you can use the code WILL, that's W-I-L-L, at checkout getting a new membership and you'll get a $60 credit on apparel and accessories. Include a band, a battery pack, or whoop body apparel in your cart and you will get $60 off. If you have a question you want to see answered on the podcast, email us podcast at whoop.com. Call us 508-443-4952 and we'll answer your question on a future episode. Without further ado, here are Kristen Holmes and Lexi Hall. Lexi, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, we're, we're super pumped and just congratulations on, uh, I guess you guys start, you season is underway. Tell us yeah. a little bit about the first, I guess you, let's see, six or seven games in now. Yeah. I mean, it, new yeah. team, new coach, new year. So we're just super excited that it's finally started going and we're now the season's in full swing. So we play multiple games a week, um, traveling all over the place, but we're happy to be here in the middle of it. I love it. Well, we're going to we're going to step back and talk a little bit about your kind of early basketball journey. But um, just real quick, maybe before we start, I'd, I'd love to know, just tell us just the difference between Athletes Unlimited and the WNBA and kind of why Athletes Unlimited kind of came into into the picture and, and how that's kind of helping, I think, women's sports uh, in, in particular. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I loved the opportunity to play in it this year in Dallas um, for WNBA players, a big part of it big part of their careers is going and playing overseas. Um, so that's during the off season when the WNBA seasons, people will leave a week, a month after and over there for the entire time until training camp starts up again back um, in April. But for me, I kind of knew that I wanted to stay in the States, especially coming off of my senior year at Stanford, not having more than a week off before starting training camp here in Indiana. So I, my body needed a break. My mind needed a break. So 
Um, I knew I needed to keep playing basketball, obviously. So that's where AU kind of came into play and being able to play against other WNBA players, against other really good players um, about a month before training camp was really beneficial and just getting back into game shape, getting more experience under my belt. That's awesome. And how many games did you play during that season? We played, so we played three games a week for five weeks. So 15 games. Nice. That's like just the perfect amount. I, you know, it's funny, I've I've interviewed some, some basketball players in the, in the past and um, just the, and I've seen some data of uh, some of the, the, the women who are competing overseas and then we're coming back for the WNBA season. I mean, the toll on the body uh, is just, uh, it's, it's not easy that, that lifestyle. Yeah. Not at all. (laughs) Yeah. So I I feel like this is like an exceptional kind of alternative um, in a lot of ways you had just an insane NC2A career. Um, Maybe talk about, you know, that, that moment you decided to go to Stanford and, you know, just give us some highlights of those, of those four years. Obviously you won a national championship as a junior Mm -hmm. Uh, winning national championships is not easy. I can (laughs) attest to that having coached in, in four uh, final fours, I think played in three and I did come away with one national championship, but um but I know nice. it's very, very hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, but tell us, tell us a little bit about your your four years and yeah, what are some of the highlights? During the recruiting process, um, a big part of it was I knew I wanted to play somewhere with my sister. And luckily for the two of us, pretty much every school that recruited me or recruited her recruited both of us. So that was never really an issue. Um, and then deciding to go to Stanford was an easy choice for us as soon as they pretty much offered us. We were like, yes, like we want, we didn't say yes right away, but we knew in the back of our minds, that's where we wanted to go. And little did we know that our best friends for life would be our teammates there. And so getting to spend not only four years seeing and playing with my sister every single day, but making some really, really special friendships and relationships that will last forever. Um, I think that's really what I'm going to take away the most. And especially my relationship with the coaches, my coaches still text me to this day. Um, still keeping up on me. So those relationships are super special and I hold those really close to my heart. But um, basketball wise, also the best four years. COVID was my junior year. So we had to play that COVID season. Our My sophomore season got cut short. I'm in the Pac-12 tournament. So that was really hard, really hard for those seniors that year to have them end on that unfortunate note. But we kind of knew going into that COVID year that we were really excited and really amped up and and felt like we had a real good chance at bringing home a national championship. So, I mean, at the end of that season, after that entire year, pretty much being on the road, getting tested twice a day, that took a toll on all of us. But we were, we really stayed close together, and um, that last game was really, really special. Oh, I love that. You obviously value defense, which um, <laughs> it's a very important piece of the game, clearly. <laughs> um, so just talk a little bit about your mindset uh, when you're defending and, and, you know, you obviously in order to be a defensive player of the year, like you have to have a very specific way that you think about your role as a defender. And, you know, tell us a little bit about that, about that mindset. I think, I mean, for me, there's always something that you can control. And I think that's your effort. Um, and I never want to be a person or a player that doesn't try hard or doesn't give everything I have. And I think, Going into every game, I know that I can contribute something positive on the defensive end, Um, diving for loose balls, trying to take that extra charge, rotating that extra, you know, that extra effort is really important. And I think I I love taking up a challenge of guarding a really good player, especially in the W. You have 144 players who 
were the best offensive players on their teams in college over a course of the past 10, 15 years. So, I mean, everyone's really good at offense. But then the, what it comes down to is who can defend those people. Um, and so I really look forward to that challenge every day, every game. And I just know that that's something that you can work for, you can work towards. And if the ball's not going in the hole some days, then you can get it back on the defensive end. So any way I can to try to impact the game in a positive way, that's something that I, I try to focus on. I love that. How did your routines change from college and then kind of going into the pros? Did you have to adjust things in, in significant ways or were you just kind of like rinse and repeat? For, obviously, you don't have the academic kind of <laughs> workload that you have to, um, that clearly was probably super challenging at, <laughs> at Stanford. Um, so you had all sorts, probably all sorts of time once you turned professional. Yeah, it is interesting, you know, going from basically basketball being a part-time job to then basketball being a full-time job and, and at your actual career. It, it definitely takes a change mentally because um, you're not, everything you do is part of your success. So that's taking care of your body, eating right. Um, I know in college at Stanford, pretty much eat on campus in the dining halls every meal. And some nights that's, I didn't like the food. So some nights I didn't eat well. I can't afford to do that anymore. Um, and so it's it's really just a, a higher degree of focus on taking care of my body and making sure that my body is ready to perform. Yeah. Any uh, any so nutrition obviously plays a huge role. Um, and I and I I know you use Whoop. So obviously <laughs> your sleep stats are impressive. Thank you're you. above eighty five percent on average, um, pretty much all the time. So you're clearly prioritized sleep. So how um, just managing the demands? You know, number one you know, being a student athlete, and, and we've got a lot of student athletes on our platform who are going to be super interested, lots of basketball teams on our platform at the collegiate level. They're going to be really interested in, you know, how does Lexi Hull, you know, how did she do it as, you know, balancing in academics and athletics at, at one of the most competitive universities in the country for both basketball and, um, and, and academically, you know, what were, you know, how did you, how did you think about that, the balance and how did you get the sleep that you needed? You know, how did you, uh, you know, how did you basically maintain these, um, these, the, these routines, obviously you have COVID that you had to deal with, but you know, how did you, how were you able to maintain these routines that kind of kept you really healthy and, and basically injury free for your entire career? I mean, that's so impressive. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it came down to finding any time I can to sleep. I, I was a big napper in college. I would bike back to my room for 20 minutes if I had time to, and I could fall asleep in that 20 minutes. I would get those extra, <laughs> those extra um, minutes in if I could. And trying, trying to get in to bed as early as I could. And for me, I'm not necessarily a morning person. So I would sleep in um, as long as I could before, whether that was weights or my first class of the day. So I think it's just figuring out what your schedule is and, and, if you can, finding time to get naps in. Uh, that, that saved me in college, I think. I would find any any minute I could to take a nap. I was trying to uh, Google real quick. Uh, Sherry Ma, she's a, a famous sleep researcher, and she did this really kind of historic study with Stanford basketball, but it might have yeah. been before your time on sleep extension. And, and basically, if you can, you know, kind of bank sleep um, and extend sleep, you can um, basically uh, mitigate some of the, the, the deleterious physical and, and cognitive declines that come when you are in moments where you are not getting 
sufficient amount of sleep. So this concept mm -hmm. of sleep banking, uh, sleep yeah. extension was, uh, yeah, just was kind of born. Uh, that research was born out of Stanford. I, yeah, I wasn't cool. sure. I think, I think you're, you're too, I think it was before your time, but, um, but anyway, yes, napping is an amazing strategy for all human beings, especially <laughs> student athletes um, who are generally not getting enough time in bed um, usually. So, so naps can be a huge, great strategy to kind of minimize and manage sleep, sleep debt you know, that invariably comes, especially with travel. And you, you know, for uh, Pac-12, I'm trying to think, like, you guys, did you have to cross time zones a ton? Like, I feel like you pl probably play a bulk of your games on the West Coast, and then it's just tournament is, is when you really end yeah. up kind of having to travel, like, to South Carolina, for example. <laughs> yeah, and, and we had a few preseason games, whether that was in Tennessee or, or other places that mm. we would have a different time zone, but that was pretty rare um, in terms of our entire season, so... Yeah, yeah tra travel travel wasn't too bad. Yeah, so you you had some like fun early influences, right? Your dad was pretty active coaching you, and did you? And obviously, your sister Lacey. Were you guys super competitive growing up? Like, what was that relationship like? Oh my gosh, we were. I think competitive to a fault at times. Um, <laughs> we, <only> imagine. <laughs> we, my mom likes to tell the story, and I remember it very vividly too. We were we played one on one a bunch in our driveway. We had a basketball hoop and. One day, I think we played a few games and Lacey had beaten me every single game. And my mom's yelling, guys, come in. We have dinner. We have dinner. And I was like, I don't want to come in until I win. And so Lacey, I would make Lacey stay out there. And she's like, no, I'm going to eat. Like, food's hot. And I <laughs> sat in the grass and did not come in because I hadn't won yet. And I think that just kind of, that, that happened both directions. You know, we were so competitive yeah. with each other. Um and even like if it's not playing against each other, if one of us was doing ball handling, you could hear that sitting on the TV. I'd hear the balls out in the, the driveway or in the garage. And I'd be like, oh, I guess I got to go now too. Like I, I can't be one sitting yeah. here. If she's doing, she's getting better. I can't let her get better than me. So we definitely pushed each other um, our entire childhood. But I think it also came down for my parents. They're, they're two very competitive people um, from board games to card games to whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's we're a very competitive household. So Definitely a, a re definitely part of um, a reason of why I am so competitive today. That sounds like my family. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the best games are like knocked down, drag out at this point. And my son, literally, we started playing chess like over the holidays. And then um, like, and I would beat him like in like six moves and like, you know, 12 minutes. And, <laughs> and he secretly was like, like accumulating like a literally like a ranking, like a world ranking. Like he played, he was playing like, 15 games a day like and then over easter he's like hey do you want to play chess like just casually i'm like yeah sure he literally beat me in six minutes <laughs> like three moves he's so good but now <laughs> he's so he's like ridiculous yeah he's got like a legit ranking he's over a thousand or something i don't know oh yeah, my he's, gosh um, that's awesome i know i know he's like legit player now um but yeah i can definitely appreciate the the family uh competition it's yeah it runs really hot in, yes. in my household <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, I love that. I'd love to talk um, a little bit about, so this is, a, a, I guess, a segue, but um, just would love to hear your perspective on just mental health and just, you know, how you keep it all together. Um, I think that there are just a lot of competing demands when you're playing professionally. There's a lot of pressure, I'm sure. And yeah, and just curious kind of what, what strategies to deploy, like what are some things that you've had to deal with in the past that um, the, that you've learned from? Just curious how you how you keep it together so well, Lexi. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, I, you know, there's some some days are harder than others. I think playing a sport that is getting more and more publicized. There's more and more people mm. who 
have opinions. Um, and mm. for me, trying not to, to see those or, or look at those helps me. So I hardly go on Twitter during the season. Mm. Um, you know, there's things people say that it, one person says something that, that ruins my day, even though 10 other people yeah. back me up. And, and so that part's really hard at times. Um, and someone told me recently, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. And I think that's something that has really helped me in just staying grounded and, and listening to the people that love me and the people that have my best interests at heart. Um, and that helps me keep my mental good, you know, just making sure that I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. I earned it. I worked for this. And uh, some days I might not perform at my best. And knowing that, you know, I put the work in to get here, that that day is going to happen, but tomorrow will be better. Um, just trying to keep a, a positive outlook on life and positive outlook on, on the season. Cause the seasons can be long seasons goes in waves, games go in waves. Um, and just knowing that it's, it's a process and every day you're just inching forward and, and trying to make an improvement 1% better every day. I think that's something that I try to focus on. Um, but yeah, it, it, it can be challenging and just keeping it a close circle is, has helped me. Yeah. That's amazing. And I would imagine like just that, helps you minimize distractions and just helps you keep focused and censored mm -hmm. on things that, you know, matter to you most. And yeah, it, it's such a double-edged sword, you know, cause you kind of, I wonder how you, how an athlete like yourself, like deals with this and just any professional athlete really, you've got incredible opportunities, right. To kind of showcase your, yourself. I mean, you're your own brand, mm -hmm. you know, how do you kind of manage, um, how do you manage that side of it? you know, just having to manage your own, your own brand and kind of be out there on social media and, and Twitter, but also protect yourself from the glare, you know, and, and just all of these opinions that um, really have, don't matter, you know, but yeah, yeah, I guess I wonder how you engage, how, how you can kind of stay engaged and, and out there, but also protect yourself at the same time. Yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, social media is just such a big part of, of our lives now and a big part of how we make money uh, essentially. And I think, especially, you know, you see NIL taking off in the college space and I had uh, briefly a year of that, but it's bigger and bigger um, as time goes on that you have to focus on it and you have to spend some time on it. And um, I think it's important to not let that distract you from really what's important. If you're not performing or if you're not playing at your best, regardless of how you're doing on, on social media, regardless of how many likes or followers you have, that's not going to get you any farther in, in making a WNBA team or getting any more minutes in, in, in a game. So I think, you know, if, depending on what your desires are. And for me, that's being, being a way for me, that's making a positive impact in the game. It doesn't matter how I'm doing on social media. So I, that that's kind of the second thought. Focusing on, you know, sports, focusing on getting better every day, focusing on on being a better teammate, doing whatever I can for my team. That's number one priority. And then second, you know, comes social media. So, yeah, amazing. That's a, an awesome framework. Do you have folks that kind of help you with all that? Um, I, a bit of a team? Yeah, yeah. My agency, you know, they'll they'll find me things that I can post, find me deals I can make. Um so they, they do some of that for me, which is super helpful, less, less thought and less work for me, for sure. Yeah. I would imagine though, it does come down, like you have to still put some time into it, but, um, but, but now I don't know how student athletes do it. I, I can't imagine. You said you had one year as a student athlete. What are, you know, do you have some advice for, you know, for athletes who are navigating the, the NIL process? 
I mean, I think it's, you're going to get out what you put into it. Um, so depending on how much you want to put into it, how much time you can have, how much time you have to put into it, do what you can. Um, I, in college, I was a big planner girl. So I would plan out my <laughs> no. day um, hour by hour. That's how I'd fit in my 20 minute naps. But um, right. if I, you know, don't have, if I only have one class on a Wednesday, then maybe I can spend 30 45 minutes trying to post something on Instagram or post something on TikTok, whatever that is, you know, finding mm-hmm. time that it doesn't take away from other parts of your career and other parts of your life. I think that would help um, in navigating NIL for sure. And especially mm-hmm. even now for me and in, in my stage of life, just setting aside, setting time aside to focus on that would, is helpful. Yeah. You have to, it seems like you just have to be like ruthless with your schedule mm-hmm. almost to like fit everything in. Yeah, because it takes like huge amounts of time to like put together. <laughs> I know, know more than you think. Posts. Yeah, no, it's like crazy. I, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I do a little bit of science education and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's like, it's kind of wild, like how <laughs> I go dark for like five days and then like I'll pop up on the weekend and yeah. something, but like, I yeah. can't, I can't do it in the work, during the work it's, week. There's it amazes me that the, I'm not on TikTok, maybe like a few videos, but the people that post twice a day or more, I'm like, how do you? edit this and then post it and it's amazing I, it it blows my mind too yeah Lexi I, I haven't even I don't even have a TikTok account I I don't I can't even get on TikTok so <laughs> I, I don't even know what that landscape looks like but I know <laughs> apparently it's a whole thing yep. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so I'm super excited to talk about your 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 data a little bit um so you've been using whoop for a few years now right so mm-hmm. I'd love to know you know, how do you think about, how do you think about your data, um, you know, over, over the course, like in the season and during off season, like what kind of part, what kind of role does it play in your life and in your training and in your, and in your performance generally? Yeah. Uh, I think for me, you know, during season, it's my schedule in terms of workouts and stuff is pretty much set. Um, I, I reach, good enough strain in practice. I, so, I mean, in terms of getting working and, and working out during the season, whoop doesn't really, it is my, my decisions around that don't really change, but my totally. sleep yeah. um, in season, my sleep does. So I, I really do. I love looking at how many, how many hours of sleep does whoop suggest I get to peak for tomorrow. And so I'll try to, mm-hmm. you know, get to bed by I'll set whatever there's, something in the app where you can set what time you have to wake up and it's sleep coach, I think is what it's called. So yeah, that's right. I need to wake up at seven 30. Okay. I need 10 hours of sleep and I guess I need to get to bed by this time, whatever it is. So I like using that Mm -hmm. one. Um, and you know, some days I I can't reach that, but that's okay. At least I'm trying, you know, I'm looking at it and hoping that, um, I can, I can get better, but I think I, I use it a lot during the off season. Um, just my workouts, being able to track how much I worked out, how much, strain I reached for my basketball workout, then, oh, maybe I should do, you know, maybe go on a little run, go on a, do yoga, do something to kind of reach, try to hit my, my target strain. Um, I liked, mm-hmm. I like that because especially for me during the off season, being in the States, being by myself a lot of the time, um, helped me stay accountable to um, hit a, hit a certain part to keep yeah. gaining. And, yeah. And just knowing what your capacity is, you know, yeah. on any given day, I think is a, pretty, you know, it's a great source of insight. So a really fun fact, you would not know this, um, but you're actually in the top 87th percentile for day strain nice. for other female members born 
1999 for the last 90 days. Cool. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of, yeah. So you're, you're hitting really high strains. Um, and, and I would say, you know, you can't play defense the way that you play with and not hit these kind of strains. <laughs> so I think if anyone is wondering whether or not Lexi Hall works hard, I think we can say that you're putting in a lot of work. Um, and, and, and that's why it, I think probably during the season, you know, you just need to spend more time in bed um, at a season, you know, your strain is, is, you know, understandably lower, right. Mm-hmm. when you're not competing and traveling and, and doing all that, when you have some, a tiny bit of downtime, right. um, your strain is, is lower and you need to spend less time in bed, but it, it looks like you're actually a very, very efficient sleeper. Generally, like you, you average about almost eight hours, um, in, in, in bed. Um, which means that you're probably a, a really efficient sleeper, which is, is super cool to see. Um, and a lot of that comes with how you manage stress during the day. So maybe let's, let's talk a, a little bit about some of the specifics on, you know, you know, that let's say you have your, it's a game day and let's say your match, your, your game is at, um, what are typical games like four o'clock, seven o'clock? Yep. Four, seven. Yep. Yeah. Four and seven. Okay. So let's say you've got a seven o'clock game, uh, in your home time zone. How do you think about just the day? Just kind of walk us through like the lead up to the competition. How do you maybe think about strain? How do you, do you use stress monitor curious? Um, we can kind of talk about maybe how you potentially could use that, um, to kind of manage, you know, how much gas you have in the tank kind of mm-hmm. going into that seven o'clock game. Yeah. Just curious how you think about it. Yeah. So, so I haven't really looked, used the stress monitor um, yet. So I'm mm-hmm. curious to what you have to say about that, but um, yeah. so we'll normally have a shoot around in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll wake up, eat something and then head to the gym to do shoot around, which is about an hour. Um, mm-hmm. And that's pretty light for whatever reason, my strain is always still around like 10, 11 for that. I'm like, why am I? So- I, like, I wish I had it when I was an athlete because I would like come out of like shoot arounds and I'd be just like drenched. I'd yeah. Be, you know, cause I'd be running the other teams feel like he was my primary sport in college. So basketball, I was always, you know, running the other team's offense and <laughs> doing that sort of thing. So You're still running around. I was, and I was, I was trying to like, you know, win a spot. So I was just like working so hard, but I would, yeah, I, I can't even imagine what my strain would have been during, <laughs> um, during these stupid shoot, shoot arounds, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll do that. Um, shower, eat something again, and then come back to my apartment and just kind of chill, hang out, watch TV, read, um, depending on how I'm feeling, I'll try to take a nap. Sometimes, you know, I'll just mm-hmm. lay in bed on my phone. But um, if I if I need a nap, if I feel like I need a nap, if I didn't get good sleep, if we traveled the day before, I'll, I'll probably take a nap um, before the yep. game. And then eat something little again for pregame meal and then head to the gym. And when we get there, our time's pretty much booked. We'll do treatment, get mm-hmm. taped, roll out, stretch, warm up, do some shooting, and then game time. So... It, the day's pretty much scheduled yeah. out every single day. What's your? Do you know your average? I'm, I'm trying to see it. I don't see it in your data. What your what you log? What your shoot arounds log? How much strain you log in shoot arounds? It's normally around like ten or eleven. Dang, yeah. And then your game strains like fourteen. Yeah. So yesterday, so I just got the sports bra, so I hadn't been able to because oh. I couldn't wear the. It on my wrist. Yeah. And in practices I can, but in games I can't. So I just, for the last two games was able to wear it in the sports bra. Um, Nice. And I think yesterday 
I had two, they, it broke up into two different ones, first half and second half. And it was like mm-hmm. 13 and 14 or something. <laughs> so Damn. yesterday it was like a 10 for shoot around 13, 14. So it was a, a packed day, but um, it was cool That's to see. Crazy. Cause I, I had been pretty curious about that. Yeah. Do you do any specific recovery modalities? So do you, you know, do you engage in like, you know, a sauna and cold or um, yeah. yeah, any of those kind of stick out for you? Yeah. So I'll ice bath after every practice. Um, after games is tough because I typically just want to get out of there, um, get yeah. something to eat and I'll, I'll, I'll ice, but like I won't get in the ice tub, but um, yeah. I'll Norma Tech every day. Uh, get, I'll get massages. Um, that's pretty much it. Mm, interesting. Do, do you get like a, a kind of a dopamine hit from the ice bath? Do you get like a kind of a surge of energy? Um, maybe, maybe because I know practice is over. I get to go home and <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like so happy. Um, yeah. Do you guys I, use it as, as part of a, um, a strategy to reduce uh, muscle soreness? Is that, or that's, that's pretty you, much, that's what I use that's it for. The, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. There's some good evidence for that. Yeah. I kind of, um, we, uh, some of the ice hockey, the professional ice hockey guys have been u- doing the, um, 30 second cold shower before they actually get on the ice Interesting. Um, to kind of get the dopamine, the alertness going and yeah, just kind of like revs the system Wake up, you like up. shocks the system. Yeah. So, um, I know that that has been an effective strategy just in case you want to, yeah, build another, yeah, cool. <laughs> another protocol in. Um, yeah. And then sauna before bed can, or a nice hot shower before bed can always be good too, um, to help you fall asleep a little faster. Um, how do you manage your nutrition, um, on kind of game day versus an off day versus a practice? Do you have, is it different or is it pretty much, are you pretty much eating the same every day? Um, I would say pretty much eating the same every day. I'll, you know, have a pretty good sized breakfast. Um, then, lunch after practice because we normally end practice around 12 or 1 um mm-hmm. and then a good sized dinner but i think i am eating a little bit more during game days just getting extra mm-hmm. carbs in like right before the game because i'll eat normally a few hours before so i need something quick like an applesauce yeah. or fruit snack or something like that um so just a little bit more but normally following every workout with a protein shake too so i feel like I, nice. I get in a lot of a lot of food um but it all goes away. I, I yeah. just working too much. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I, I just wonder, I'm like, with this kind of like strain, I mean, you're burning, you're reading, you're burning human, huge amounts of calories. Lexi curious. Do you, do you track your menstrual cycle on whoop? Um, I do. Yeah, I do. Nice. What, have you seen any relationships between kind of different phases of your menstrual cycle and kind of how you're, training like have are you using that, those data to just kind of help you strategize around different different times of the month um you know i haven't used it to really change anything that i've done yeah. but um i definitely there are days where i feel like lower energy um mm-hmm. around certain parts of that uh but yeah i i have i've seen i've seen videos and stuff of people really saying like this day of your mental cycle, you should do this type of workout because it'll help you do this, this, and this. And I, I haven't, mm. I haven't tried that, but um, yeah. I mean, I think that with elite athletes, like that, I don't know that that really holds true. Um, yeah. to, to be honest, like I think it's it's more about, um, yeah. I mean, there's definitely going to be during your the luteal phase, kind of leading into 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 menses. Um, yeah, you might experience a little bit more fatigue, but it's 
easily, you know, you can easily overcome that with a tiny bit of sleep extension and, you know, prioritizing electrolytes and, you know, it's, it's, it, I don't think egregious changes are required, but yeah, I was just curious if you kind of noticed anything with your own cycle. And, I did, and, and I did notice in the off season, um, cause I was doing, I was pretty much lifting every single day, which I hadn't mm. done prior, um, just cause now I had the time. Um, and, and definitely during my cycle, I, there were days where I was like, I cannot even get close to lifting mm. the amount that I did last week. Or some days I was like, Oh my gosh, I just like, I lifted so much more. So it, it definitely, it was interesting because it, it altered my ability to lift certain amounts, mm. um, which I, I wish I would have tracked more. I was kind of just more like a mental note, but uh, yeah. 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 I mean, we definitely, we do see, um, you know, again, I, I think there, there's more research that needs to be done, but in general, you know, during menses and during um, ovulation, typically we see higher heart rate variability, uh, lower resting heart rate, you know, which means you're probably a little bit more primed to kind of take on um, heavier loads, uh, more mm-hmm. volume, more intensity. Uh, and then once you kind of get into the luteal phase where your body's kind of working pretty hard to prepare for menses, um, you can you can feel a little bit lower energy. And that's where you just might want to, you know, decrease some of the volume and, and intensity. And I think maybe, you know, on game day, you know, you wouldn't modify your shoot around, of course, but, yeah. um, but, you know, maybe you don't go to the grocery store in between <laughs> or, you know, you just kind of prioritize sit on the couch a little bit. It's a good excuse. Um, and then I think to, you know, sleep extension kind of going into that week prior to menses can be good um, strategy as well. Uh, you know, so just, just knowing that your sleep is going to be a little bit less quality and, and slightly more disrupted, not really probably in a meaningful level, but um, I think some athletes can notice it a little bit more than others. So, um, you know, kind of that after ovulation week leading into um, the week prior to menses, yeah, sleep extension can be a really good strategy too. Sweet. What are you, so do you, yeah, so you're a great sleeper. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your sleep routines, kind of how do you, especially on a game day, you know, or, you know, maybe a, a really hard practice or, you know, are there any strategies you deploy kind of leading into bed to kind of help you fall asleep or do you just fall asleep really fast regardless? So, yeah, I mean, I think in college I fell asleep really fast and I, I never mm-hmm. had any issues going to bed. Um, but now I, I noticed I was having, I, I felt like I was, it was taking me some more time to fall asleep. Um, I think part of that, I was on my phone for a good chunk of time in bed and it's hard. Um, my boyfriend is in North Carolina, so we, I would FaceTime him and then being on my phone, I FaceTime him and I'm like, ah, I, I want to hang up so I can be off my phone. So I, I, I try to hang up earlier so I can just lay there and try to go to bed. And, and sometimes that still wasn't working. I'd still just be laying there. My mind would be wandering. Um, but I found yeah. recently something that has really helped is I'll, I'll read. And reading for 15, sometimes 30 minutes really turns my mind off. Um, mm. And that's helped me go to bed uh, a lot quicker. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, a lot of people find that I, same. I love reading before bed. Um, I need to pick what I read though. Cause if I'm reading like some sort of journal or article or yeah, I'll get all fired up and yeah. <laughs> so I, have to, I have to keep it. Um, yeah. I like to read poetry. David White is yes. my go-to, um, at the, at the end of the day. Um, yeah. And then any, any, um, any tips on just kind of bedroom environment? Like, is there anything that you, you know, kind of, uh, swear by? So I have. And do you use blue light filters? I'm just curious. 
I used to, but I, I haven't, I haven't recently. Um, Mm. but I, I got blackout curtains. So I like my room really dark, really cold. Um, (laughs) um, yeah. And I, I typically, I try not to spend a lot of time in my bed, um, Mm. except for sleeping. And so I'll, I'll watch TV and stuff. I have a TV in my bedroom, but I I typically won't watch it in there. I'll only watch in the family room on my couch just so I can try to keep that to sleeping and, and focus on not anything else other than sleeping. That's perfect. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think being really dark, really cold and mm-hmm. purely sleeping has helped. I love it. Um, so you have a bit of a younger team, uh, I, I think, right. Uh, yep. the, the, you're in Okay. Um, t- tell us a little bit about that dynamic. Um, you know, where do you find yourself in kind of a leadership role? You know, how, what has that dynamic been like? we are a really young team and, you know, like 75% of our team, it's either their first or second year in the league. And, um, Mm. last year we set a record for the most amount of rookies on a team ever. So, um, definitely it's, it's a different environment. I think coming into the WNBA with so many people who are the same grade, same age, going through the same things, experiencing the same things for the first time. And for me, I loved it because it was like, it's kind of like college again, because, we're yeah. all freshmen and learning this big whole new world together. And um, it's interesting because all of the, up, all of the um, vets are like, Oh my gosh, this feels like college again. Like <laughs> the coaches have to teach us all these, like these new things, how to be a pro, what to do. Like we don't get pregame meal. You figure out pregame meal on your own. Like that's all new to us. So it's, there's a lot of teaching happening and uh, it's great. Cause for me and for the new people, you know, we all get to learn it together. So it's fun and exciting. Um, and, and now as a second year player, it, it's great because now I'm on the older end of the team, <laughs> which is crazy. And on any other team, that wouldn't be the case. But um, I mean, it, it's, it's so fun because we're all, we're all the same age and, and enjoy the same thing. So it's, it's definitely exciting. And, and hopefully we can build something really special here. I love it. Uh, well, you just over the course of your collegiate career and, and now into your professional career, you've probably seen, I think, a huge uptick in just interest in, in women's sports and viewership is increasing. Tell me a little bit about just your perspective on just that landscape in general. And, you know, where do you see the, it trending and what are you excited about? What do you feel like is still challenging? I'm curious to get your thoughts. I mean, it's it's definitely exciting to kind of be in the middle of it and and see it, the improvement happening, see the viewership of March Madness just skyrocket. You know, going to a restaurant or a bar and seeing women's basketball on TV like that's never been here before. So it's super exciting. And um, you know, people, I'll, I'll meet someone and they'll ask, "What do you do?" I say, "I play basketball." And they're like, "Oh my gosh, did you watch? Da, 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 da. Do you know Caitlin Clark? Did you see LSU?" Like. People are talking about it now, and um, that's that's something that we can be super proud of. Um, I think it, it also leaves a lot of room for growth, and I think everybody knows that and everyone sees that because it's definitely more of a conversation now. Uh, but it, it's exciting, and it's, it's exciting that um, I get to be part of 144 players this year and, and hoping to grow the WNBA, hopefully adding new teams, getting more viewers, getting more fans. Um, it's just, it's an exciting time for women's basketball and, and I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of it. I was on a few weeks ago, I was on 
was on campus, my alma mater, uh, we had an alumni event and Caitlin Clark had like bodyguards and I mean, it was like the whole nine years. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, dang. It's she was crazy. Just, and just, you know, autographs, just lines of people like just, you know, just, just wanted to get her autograph and, and, and all the, all the, you know, and, and I think at Iowa too, you know, it's a special place. Like they're, you know, the women's athletics is, is really revered there and lots of support, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was just cool to see, um, it just see women's basketball in general, just garner so much attention. And I just feel like that's going to trickle down to a lot of other sports and for sure. I think it's all, it's all really exciting. What would you, you know, for a business, for example, that's looking to invest in women's sports, like what would, what would you say to, to them? I would say get in it now, get in it while you can. Um, I think it's yeah, going to be, so it's going to be harder. It's going to be more expensive. It's going to be more competitive um, as the years go on. And And I think you just look at, Look at what college basketball players are doing right now. They're creating brands and they're creating names for themselves. And and sooner or later, you're not going to have the opportunity to get in. So, you know, I would just say get in now while you still can. Yeah, I love that. That's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, do you have uh, any, you know, June kind of marks the passing of, of Title IX, the anniversary of Title IX. You know, what are just some of your reflections on just Title Line and generally general, just kind of how far we've come. And, um, but, but, you know, where, where are the gaps, you know, where do you, where do you, what, what do you think we still need to close in order to kind of really get to that next level? You know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that the WNBA and, and Title Nine has, has pushed forward women's sports. Um, but there's clearly a, a large area of a large room for growth. Um, I mean, yeah. a big conversation right now is travel for WNBA players and, and they've taken a step forward, but it's still, there's going to be, there's still room for growth and there's still room for growth in a lot of areas. I mean, players, in my opinion, shouldn't have to go overseas to supplement their incomes um, yeah. and creating more opportunities. We have data that shows how tough that is yeah. on the body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so protect our bodies and, That's um, right create more opportunities for us to stay here. And I think, you know, from my experience, Athletes Unlimited is one step um, in trying to bring that, um, trying to make that better. Uh, but I think between those two things, between pay and travel, I think those are two things that, that are definitely tangible things that we can work on. Um, but in general, like we've kind of mentioned, I just feel like we, women's basketball, women's sports is going like this and, and just to try yeah. to keep it moving in that trajectory is super important. I love that. What, a, what would you say just with regards to travel? Um, I do a lot of my research is around circadian things. So <laughs> just kind of curious, um, what, what is it about the travel? Is it, um, is it just kind of getting better flights, like hotels? Like what, what would you say is the problem? I think the problem is the flights. Um, we stay mm-hmm. at great hotels, but when we play, I mean, our schedule this week is we played yesterday, then we play in, well, we played in Chicago yesterday, we play in mm-hmm. Minnesota on Friday, and we play back mm-hmm. in Indiana on mm-hmm. Sunday. So we're traveling pretty much every off day, um, which is really hard, especially when we're sitting in an airport for hours, or we flew, you know, we mm-hmm. flew to Connecticut, and we had to go to Atlanta to fly to Connecticut. So we're just sitting mm-hmm. in airports, sitting in planes, our, we're all six foot or taller. So our knees are hitting yeah. the seats. You know, it's just, it's not ideal. There's no time for the recovery piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so just trying to figure out either that's the schedule, give us more days in between or uh, 
making the travel more accommodating for us um, in terms of the flights. I think those are those are a couple of things. Well, if they want a circadian physiologist to help with the travel schedule, I raise my hand. Volunteer. <laughs> I'll let them know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely have worked with a lot of baseball teams and um, over the years, uh, professional baseball teams to kind of help think about their travel and, um, you know, how to, how to, how to think about sleep, how to think about caffeine, how to think about meal times and how to restrict light and, and, you know, and bolster light at different times to kind of try to minimize the, the amount of desynchronization that's happening um, with regard to circadian rhythms. Cause that's really in the end of the day, at the end of the day, that is a huge competitive advantage, you know, and, mm-hmm. and certainly more importantly, if you think about the health of the entire league, you want to try to limit that desynchronization. Um, that's kind of root cause um, in terms of, you know, Ill, paying down illness and injury burden for sure. And there's also a strong link to mental health as well. Um, so I think there is a really good case for um, for dialing that in and getting mm-hmm. that as tight as, as possible to uh, minimize um, the the mental, physical, emotional toll that that travel can take on 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 league athletes. So I'm ready to come in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when it comes to your health and wellness journey, what would one thing be? What would be uh, the one one thing that folks would be really surprised to know uh, about your health and wellness journey? I, huh? I would say growing up, I did not eat eat well i loved mcdonald's i love even now even now no, i can't imagine that i love mcdonald's i love taco bell um <laughs> i love like i i would love to eat that every day but um i know that's not gonna help me in the long run um but i will say i have learned how to basically i, I will eat those things still but it's a, a matter of you know not eating it every day, figuring out how to fit it in. Um, I love, I'm a biggest sweet tooth you'll meet. I have like ice cream, I have candy in my fridge. I, um, but it's, it's figuring out how to ration it. Um, and so I, every day I'll have dessert, even that's a bowl of cereal or ice cream, but it's a smaller bowl of cereal, a smaller bowl of ice cream, one piece of candy instead of the whole candy bag. Um, just limiting it as I've gotten older. That's, that's, that's been my journey. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> I, was, I was trying not to like, I didn't want to like, I'm like putting myself on mute because I didn't want to like laugh over like the. <laughs> that was absolutely amazing. <laughs> I'm just like picturing like, just like your thought process, like just like the, the, the bowl of ice cream and the cereal, like, you know, just like trying to figure out, all right, how do I not eat this entire bag of candy right now? <laughs> yeah. My sister and I growing up, we would, at McDonald's, we had a um, a plan when we'd go. One of us would get the two cheeseburger meal. One of us would get the 10 chicken nugget meal and we'd <laughs> split it. So we got one cheeseburger and five chicken nuggets and it was perfect. <laughs> but not anymore. <laughs> Again, it's so hard too, like when you have like a part, like someone like that, where it's like you can just talk each other into like that being a really oh, good yeah. idea like, oh, yeah. so easily. <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. Um, all right. When it comes to training, what are the three things that you care about most? Preparing, I think is, is my number one thing. Um, preparing for games, preparing for practice. Um, I think it all starts with that. Um, whether that's watching film, watching the scout, um, watching myself, figuring out how I can be better. Um, number two is just effort. I think that's kind of like my, my go-to word in everything I do. 
Um, just wanting to give it my full effort. If I'm going to go to the gym on a Saturday in the morning, I'm not just going to go to the gym on a sat. Like I want to get something out of it. Um, so working as hard as I can for however long that is. And then recovering. So sleeping, taking care of my body after the fact to prepare for that next day. Because, you know, for me, it's it's every day of the week. I'm doing something for my body, doing something for my profession. And um, just making sure that I'm ready to tackle that next day. I love it. Well, I you don't have half-ass anything. Like, you're so inspiring. I, it's been amazing, like, watching your career. Um, I'm just a super fan. Oh, <laughs> and uh, Yeah, and it's just really fun to be able to talk to you today. And, um, you know, I think what you're doing for the game and uh, is, is incredible. And you're such a phenomenal example for, for um, any, all folks out there, uh, you know, who are looking to uh, bring their best every day. So, um, yeah, thank you for being an inspiration and for being a part of the, the Whoop family for so thank long. You. <laughs> and, um, you know, we feel really grateful to, to have you on the platform and just to know that you use Whoop to kind of guide your decision-making and, um, yeah, and, and kind of stay healthy is, is really cool. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you to Lexi Hull for sharing her training regimen and her outlook on the women's sports community. If you enjoyed this episode of the Whoop Podcast, please leave a rating or review. Check us out on social at Whoop at Will Ahmed. If you have a question you want to see answered on the podcast, email us podcast at whoop.com. Call us 508-443-4952. New members can use the code Will to get a $60 credit on Whoop accessories when you enter the code at checkout. And that's a wrap. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next week on the Whoop Podcast. A big happy Father's Day to all our fathers out there. As always, stay healthy and stay in the green.